1: before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of kings you know the one you never knew yes while you have breath you have a choice to make in life yes turn away from your sin and believe The only shelter from the coming storm.
0: I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to bring into your heart the glory of Jesus and for you to rest in that glory, for you to rest in Jesus. This gospel is so wonderful. this gospel is just it's everything to my heart it's the good news I don't have to dwell in darkness anymore I can come into the light and I rejoice today in Jesus Christ he is everything and I'm urging you today to let the glory of Jesus into your heart. Now, what would prevent you from having the glory of Jesus in your heart? Sin. That's why I come. Bastard, you only have one thing to talk about. You only talk about sin. Yeah, that's the problem. It's the poison that kills us. It's the poison that distracts us. I want you to walk in the fullness of Jesus Christ with joy and peace and love in your hearts, healed and restored by the power of the Holy Spirit. When I was in college... I was asked if I would pastor a a church district of three churches, Washington, and also two other smaller churches in Pennsylvania, Western PA. I did so. It was absolutely the worst summer I've ever spent in my life. I found I didn't know how to be a pastor. I didn't know what to do. I could visit people, and I did that. I led the worship services. But what else was I supposed to do? I think I washed the paint off my car that summer. I didn't know what to do with my time. When I was in seminary, I approached My favorite theology professor made an appointment, sat in his office, and I said, could you explain to me what the work of a pastor is? He sat back in his chair, and he got this wry smile on his face. He said, Ray, if you asked me that question 20 years ago, I would have had an absolutely clear answer for you but today it's all changed. And the church you're going to go into and pastor, he said, I'm an old man, but the church you're going to go in and pastor, you're going to be in your 20s. And your congregation is likely to be filled with people in their 60s and 70s and 80s. I don't know how to tell you to pastor them. What's my job? He said, I can't tell you what your job is. And soon after that, I left his office more confused than ever. Now, I'll tell you what I was told by another professor, my evangelism professor. I was told your job as a pastor is to be a coach, a program director, and a CEO Church today is a business. You'll chair the board. You'll help make sound decisions. You'll guard the funding. I said, whoa, is that what a pastor does? And sure enough, I discovered that that's what pastors do. I wasn't willing to be a CEO I wasn't willing to be a program director. So I struggled with what it meant to be a pastor. And then I read some of the material from Jonathan Edwards. As I researched him, he became kind of a pastoral model for me. No, yes, he did get in trouble. His congregation fired him after he preached the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and he refused to allow his grandpa's rules in his church of the membership of the half-converted. He said, no, half-converted cannot be members, cannot receive the communion, cannot have burials, Christian burials, cannot have Christian weddings. You have to be a real Christian. No wonder they fired him. But as I researched Jonathan Edwards, I discovered he did not believe in the sinning Christian. He said, if you're walking in sin, you've never been saved. Christians are to walk in the glory of Jesus, under the grace of Jesus. They're to walk clean of sin. But then I discovered the secret of his ministry and why he got fired. Others have written about him that he spent 16 to 18 hours a day in his study reading the scriptures and praying. The church was unhappy with him because he did not attend social events. They'd have a big birthday party, and Jonathan Edwards wouldn't be there. They'd have some other kind of party, social gathering, Christmas party. Whatever the party was, he didn't go to parties. Instead, he spent his time reading the scriptures, praying, searching after God. And finally, out of Jonathan Edwards' life flowed the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. That sermon, preached in a neighboring church, was where God chose to break out the first great awakening for America to prepare the colonies for the bitter war to be free of England. As I come to you today, I've been preaching all week on the book of Jude, and some of you have thought that I've been a little strident. I've not been angry. I'm just desperately concerned for the church. The church is the very center of God's eye. And yet he's already... Remove the lampstand from many, many churches across America because they have refused to repent. And in Jude, he says, ungodly men are perverting the grace of our God into lustful indulgence. They are denying the only sovereign God and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is verse 4 in the one and only chapter of the book of Jude. Now, Jude is saying that our problem is our pastors, prophets, so-called apostles, teachers. They're the ones causing this damage in the church turning the church away from the truth that we must leave all sin, that we must be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Now you remember the opening of the, of the book of Jude. To the ones called having been made holy or having been sanctified, made holy by God the Father and having been kept by Jesus Christ. That's how he introduces this. He is writing to people who are not walking in any sin before Almighty God. They've been washed. They've been made clean. The blood of Jesus does that. It washes and cleanses and changes you from a worldling to someone ready for heaven in this life now. Now, I'm going to show that again here in the book of Jude. Now, I've walked through verse by verse this, this book of Jude. But I want to show you now today, very calm. I won't, I won't get excited. I want to just walk you through it. I want you to see it for yourself. I want you to hear what Jude is saying and understand what he's saying. He's now beginning to close out his letter his book. He's speaking about men who take the way of Cain. Now, many men today who are pastors or prophets or teachers or what is called apostles, these men have used God to build a personal Kingdom for themselves, where they are applauded, worshiped, lifted up, and yet in their inner life they are corrupt. One pastor that I have listened to on a number of occasions, nationally known speaker, he is without a doubt the best wordsmith for preaching that I've ever listened to. He is exceptionally gifted. I mean, exceptionally gifted. And yet, in his private life, he is utterly corrupt. He is sexually unclean. He lusts after money and power and influence. If I name this man you would be shocked. You would be dismayed. I know from what the Holy Spirit has told me about him. I know from what my eyes have observed in his private life that he is a man utterly given over to darkness. But on Sunday, wow, can he preach a sermon? before I knew about the inside of the man, I used to say, Lord, would you gift me with this ability to preach? They have rushed in the way of Cain to build their own city, using the name of God to do that, building their institutions and their organizations to bring glory to themselves and power and money and influence. They have followed the delusion of Balaam and they will perish. God will judge them. Soon you'll begin to see these men fall and you'll be shocked. Now I want to read to you from the book of Jude, beginning in verse 12, the actual working description and what it means of these men. First, these men, verse 12, are hidden dangers in your love feast, feasting together with you without fear, feeding themselves. Well, What is this hidden danger? The sense is, It's like water flowing over a hidden reef or a hidden rock. And where people come and they wreck their lives because they follow this man's lead or this woman's lead. They don't suspect this rock is in the way and they're going to smash into it but they listen to the smooth teaching. They listen to a preacher saying, God loves you unconditionally. He's forgiven all of your past, present, and future sins. This man has a rock in his life, and he's extremely dangerous. Be very careful. Secondly, these men are feeding themselves. They are clouds without water. Clouds without water. That is, when you see the clouds and you and you feel the, the wind in your face and you're dry, you rejoice because you say it's going to rain. If we don't get the rain, we're going to die. This is a person who who teaches and behaves in a way that people love. It tickles their ears. But they are utterly without value. They are a spring without water. You leave and there is no call to holiness there's no conviction of heart you just say wow 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 what a wonderful sermon and that story he told and but there's no meat in it so many times i've listened to a pastor and the words flow out of his mouth so effortlessly and so wonderfully and then you stop and you say what did he say And you recognize he didn't say anything at all. He just wordcrafted these sentimental words that were supposed to comfort you and keep you blind and numb and dumb. No conviction of sin. I listened to a bishop preach one time at an Anglican church to a group of men. I mean, it was a wonderful sermon. You just sat there and you felt warm all over and then he came to the end, and I thought, okay, now here comes the punchline. He's going to talk about what it takes to get this way. And instead, he pulled his punch, and everybody gathered around him and congratulated him afterwards on this wonderful message. No, it was not a wonderful message. It was a lie from first to last. There was nothing to turn a man's heart to righteousness, nothing to cause a person to repent or confess or get right with Jesus. Then it says fruitless. And autumn trees. Having died twice. Pulled out by the roots. What's he talking about? It's come to the end of the harvest. And there's no harvest from him. He has no fruit he doesn't have the fruit of holiness and he doesn't have the fruit of changing people's lives his words were worthless and disappointing he did nothing to encourage people to be Christ like he did not address real Christian values, virtues and graces because he had none There's nothing fruitful about his message because he never produces a new creature in Christ Jesus. All he does is deceive people and seduce them and keep them on in their sin, comfortable and asleep. And then he says, Jude says, Fierce, Waves of the sea foaming up their own shame. What's he talking about? I was in Florida one time, many years ago, by the ocean. And I always, when I'm by the ocean, go out early, early in the morning, try to beat the sunrise, and go out and walk and meditate and pray along the beach. Well, that morning the tide had come in and it had thrown all the dead seaweed up. The beach was an absolute wreck. All kinds of of waste had been thrown up on that beach. These preachers, these prophets, they throw up all the garbage of ungodliness. And then he says, finally, they are wandering stars for whom the deepest darkness of the darkness has been kept forever. What's he saying? He's saying that there is a heretical nature to these godless preachers and pastors and apostles and prophets, they don't stay on the right course. When a star does not stay in the place where it is supposed to stay, that when it does not remain in the right place, you can't chart your course by that star. It's a wild star. I come day by day. I let my words testify to the reality. I'm not going to change. I've been rebuked by many. Pastor, you're not supposed to talk this way. Why don't you preach about something else for a while? Leave alone this issue of getting right with God. Now, are you aware in the book of 1 John? It says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And that is to destroy the work of the devil in your heart. That's my commission, to join Jesus in proclaiming the gospel of salvation. That the work of the devil can be utterly destroyed in your heart and that you would walk clean before Jesus, that your life would be such a testimony to your family that they say, Bob is always going to stand for righteousness and holiness. He is going to love us, Or Mary is always going to be the same way. She never changes. She loves us. She encourages us. But she always speaks about leaving our sin and walking with Jesus. And she encourages us in the grace of Jesus Christ. I pray I'm that man too. Sometimes I say, you know, I'd really like some feedback on how people are receiving what's being said. But bottom line, I don't need that feedback because I'm teaching you exactly what he's given me in the prayer closet. Much time is spent in the prayer closet dealing with these issues. And I then come to you and I pour out what the Holy Spirit has put in my heart. What he wants to give you. What he wants to call you to. You see, we've got to come to terms with the fact that in these last days, there are going to be people who will scoff. And people scoff at me and at this ministry and say, Pastor, everybody is a sinner, and you can't stop sinning. You're always going to be a sinner. But God's grace covers you. His grace is imputed to you. Well, they're lying. That's not what the scriptures say. I'm not going to believe the traditions of man. I'm not going to abide the culture of man that comes up with these foolish things that tell us we should not consider even the possibility that we could leave our sin. These men are gamble, are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust and their mouth speaks boastful words, flattering to the face for their own advantage. And they scoff at the idea that we're called to walk without sin. That the blood of Jesus has the power to wash a man clean. I don't walk without sin by my own power, my own strength. I can't. The power to walk clean comes from the Holy Spirit and from my heart being washed by the blood of Jesus so that I walk clean before him. Now I can tell you now, my experience is, there have been issues in my life that have held me back that have caused me to stumble The television used to cause me to stumble. And the Lord said, cut it off. And finally said, put it in the trash. And I did so. And then movies, good movies. They were a block to me. And the Lord said, turn them off. YouTube's were a block to me. The Lord said, turn them off. Sugar was a block to me. The Lord said, leave it alone. And each one of those had to be overcome by the blood of Jesus so that I would not indulge the desires of a fleshly heart that I would not give the devil any room. There was a time in my life when I would just cut people off. I'd I'd get angry and just cut them off. I don't do that anymore. By the grace of Jesus, I've been squeezed by the Holy Spirit into the prayer closet and into the scriptures. And I'm very grateful to have a wife who's been squeezed by the Holy Spirit also, so she doesn't think I'm strange. She wants to do that as well. All I can tell you is that my heart cry is what he says In verse 22. On the one hand, making a distinction, you must have mercy on some. On the other hand, you must save some with fear, snatching them out of the fire, hating even the garments having been stained on account of the flesh. Verse 21. You must keep yourselves in the love of God. Receiving unto yourself the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto life eternal. I need the mercy of Jesus Christ. I need the fullness of his grace to teach me to say no to ungodliness. Have I arrived? No, I'm running the race just like you are. But I'm very clear that I am called to live with no awareness or known sin in my life. I'm to walk clean before Jesus. I'm to have the victory over every besetting sin. Now let's go to verse 24. Some of you may be saying, Come on, Pastor, you can't live without sin. No, in the flesh you cannot live without sin. But in the Spirit, as the flesh is crucified, Romans 6, we may, if we have time, we'll go there today. When we're crucified with Christ, the old man is utterly destroyed. You must cooperate as Jesus crucifies you with him. Now listen to the way he closes this book. Now to the one being able to keep you faultless. The word word is sinless. To the one being able to To keep you faultless and to present you in the presence of his glory, blameless with rejoicing. Shall I read it again to you? Does that shock you? These are not empty words. This is the very essence of what Jude believes as a brother of Jesus. Now to the one, that is to Jesus, being able to keep you faultless, that is without sin, now, in the here and now, in the present, not sometime in the future, not sometime in heaven, now. Now. To present you in the presence of his glory, blameless with rejoicing. Remember, I opened today by saying, let the glory of Jesus fill your heart. The only way the glory of Jesus will enter into your heart is if you are faultless before him by his shed blood, having washed you and made you clean. blameless, with rejoicing. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. We praise and worship and honor you. You have overcome all sin. You have destroyed the works of the devil in our hearts. We praise you today. We glorify your name. I promised I wouldn't get excited, right? Well, this makes me excited. How do I keep my mouth shut when... When I know this is what he's done for us. You know, I am so sorry for those poor pastors and prophets, apostles, who teach that you cannot be faultless before God in the present, in the now that he cannot present you in the presence of his glory, blameless with rejoicing. I feel sorry for him. Because it's obvious, they have utterly refused the full crucifixion with Jesus. And so they can't walk. And so instead they find their satisfaction in their intellectual knowledge, in their heaping together some great pile of brush for their kingdom building their big churches and their big movements and their big this and big that taking the big money living like a king i feel sorry for them my heart pities them but they scoff they're scornful of of this broadcast they're scornful of this message and many of you, you listen, you come and you listen and you listen. <clears throat> I'm not sure you believe it. A few of you do. And a few of you support tremendously with with whatever you have, this broadcast. I'm very grateful to you. And I love you. You're my brother, my sister. But most just scoff and say, you're a legalist. No, I'm not a legalist. None of this is done by my strength or my power. It is all the glorious work of Jesus in my life. And it will be the glorious work of Jesus in your life if you will confess all sin and if you will turn aside from it. You'll find a new life in Christ Jesus. It's awesome. I invite you. Jump in with me. This is the gospel that must be preached across America. Across the world. That Jesus Christ has saving power in his blood. That he will wash you clean of all known sin. That he will cause you to walk in his glory, in his presence. You will be blameless with great rejoicing in your heart and you will share this word with everyone you meet. You will talk to them about the glory of Jesus and how they can be saved from their sin. I know revival's coming and I know he's going to deal with Many of you in your heart to bring you through finally into that place of surrender, that place of glory where He can fill you with His Holy Spirit. Now I want to read to you the last sentences of this book. This is the book of Jude, verse 25 to the only wise God our savior I'm not wise he's wise glory and majesty power and authority both now and into all the conceivable ages amen Oh, thank you, Jude. Thank you for what you wrote. It was not easy sledding. It was tough. I hope it was helpful to you. Now, if we go to Romans, and I have just a minute to do this. Romans 6. We who died to sin, verse 2, how shall we live in it? See, it requires dying to the sin. What do I mean? Well, if you're an avid football watcher, you love the sport, you gamble with the gambling on television, You love the baseball season that's coming. You know all the stats. There's only one way you're going to be able to get past this sin. And it is sin. It's wicked entertainment. It's wicked gambling. There's only one way you're going to get through it. And that is if you cut it off. You're not going to... Slowly reduce your time watching. No, it just has to be cut off. Is that football league holy? Is that baseball league holy? No, they're corrupt to the core. Is this really what you want to take with you to heaven? Are the angels going to form a a football league in heaven? I don't think so. God hates violence. We who died to sin, how shall we live in it? It has to be cut off. Sin is only dealt with by dying to it and giving it into the hand of Jesus Christ. And he will remove it. Or are you ignorant that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Really, we were buried together with him by means of the baptism into the death, that just as Christ was raised out from among the dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in the newness of life. That is, you can walk around having the time you spent sitting before that useless screen doing what Jonathan Edwards did, reading the scriptures and preparing for eternity. Who knows? The Holy Spirit might speak another sinners in the hands of an angry God through you but only if you're righteous without sin. For we have become united in the similarity of his death that we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, that is the man from Adam, the sinful old man that dwells in the heart of every human person, from the time of birth. Yea, even from the time of conception. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin may be destroyed. The word in the Greek is destroy, annihilate. There are Greek words that mean to press down, to subdue, to quiet. None of those words are used. The word that's used is to annihilate, to utterly destroy, to kill. That we not hereafter serve sin. For the one having died has been freed from sin. What is it that you need to get rid of in your life? Is it pornography? Is it professional sports and gambling? Is it adultery? Fornication? Are you living with someone you're not married to? Are you walking in known sin? You know it's wrong. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you about it many times, and yet you continue in the same old, same old, same old. What is it that Jesus is asking for that the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on and saying, this has to go? Is it your anger, your impatience, bitterness? Are you holding grudges against someone in your family you haven't talked to for years? Have you judged others? What is it in your heart, in your life, That has to go. You will not walk as Jude tells us. Faultless. Until that sin. Is erased from your life. Remember John 50. uh, Psalm 51. He said rub out. The record of my sin. Rub it out. Erase it. Those things need to go. Self-indulgence has no place in the kingdom of God. Gluttony has no place in the kingdom of God. You know, I know how easy it is to let food be the comforter. You're always thinking about food. Or you're always thinking about gambling. Or you're always thinking about how to make more money. You're always strategizing in your heart for how you're going to accomplish all of this. All of that has to go. Has to go to the cross. You have to be crucified with Christ. There are going to be no half-converted Christians in heaven. You are either going to be converted and changed and transformed. Look carefully at the Gospel of John, the third chapter. Nicodemus is told, you must be born from above, or you cannot enter into heaven. Well, that's where we are. Some of you are just plain lazy. You'd rather sit and drink in the screen than you would to open your Bible, because when you start reading it, you go to sleep. It's boring to you. I understand. When I started many years ago, the Lord told me to read the Word, and I picked it up, and it was boring, and I'd go to sleep. So finally, I had to get up and actually walk, and then I actually had to begin to read the Word out loud so that I could comprehend even a little bit and the Lord changed my heart now when I open the word it's like it's a movie in living color and action and sound I love the word of God and I love Jesus well I hope this study in the book of Jude has been helpful to you I'd love to hear from you. I'm able to continue this broadcast only because you're generous in supporting it. If it's helpful in bringing you to Jesus and guiding you on this path toward eternity and toward heaven, then let me hear from you. Your testimony, I'm very grateful for some of you that write a letter every month and Inform me on the progress you're making in the gospel work of Jesus. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 23. Forty-six, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. Tomorrow is a a day of prayer. It's a prayer meeting, and you're welcome to join live and pray. And you know, you're also welcome to come to the prayer chapel We're a small house church, but don't let that alarm you. You'd be most welcomed. You would feel very much at home. We begin praying at quarter of ten. We wrap up our time together at noon, and then we have a lunch together. And I'd love to have you come. I'd like to meet you. Let's pray. Lord, I lift your name on high today. I thank you for your brother and your servant, Jude. I thank you for his being directed by the Holy Spirit to address these very, very painful issues. I pray, Lord, that you will direct every person who will listen to this broadcast, that you will flow with healing and with righteousness in your wings for them and that you would cause them to be filled with your glory. Lord, I pray that you will have mercy upon this listening congregation and breathe upon them the Holy Spirit. Lord, I worship and lift you up. I love you. You are everything to me. I pray in your holy name. Amen. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you to the many who have been giving. Rodney, Dirk, and many others. Gail, I can't name you all, but thank you, thank you, thank you. It's because of your obedience to the Holy Spirit that I can be on this radio broadcast. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.